next couple of weeks after that as well. But, but today, uh, God put strongly on my heart a message I want to share, and he's put something else on my heart I think I'll share over the next couple of weeks too. Um, but I think this is the message that, that we need to move into uh, 2021 and to do it well. And I hope you enjoyed the encouragement of, of Danny Looney last weekend as he just encouraged us to remember that things may be going on around us, but God is doing great things in our midst. But God is taking us to better places. And we had a phenomenal weekend last weekend of being encouraged by the word, uh, being encouraged through testimony, and then also just celebrating God in, in some great times of worship. And we're going to close out our, our day here today with, with another time of worship through music as well. Um, but, but there's something God's put in my heart that, again, we need to take hold of to move forward as a church, in your family, in our lives. And I want to talk to you today about self-control. Um, this might not be, you know, the, the end times message you hoped for or the political message you hoped for, but, I, but God's put on my heart as your pastor strongly this concept, this idea of self-control for the body of Christ. And so um, video games. How many of you play video games? Uh, video games are uh, a waste of time, you losers. I'm kidding. Now, I, I, I used to really love video games myself. Um, but I grew up in the generation where the, the home video game console w was really kind of a new thing. Um, Atari uh, preceded me. Um, some of you, some of you senior citizens, maybe you had an Atari. Uh, just you, you were like cutting edge, and Frogger was your jam. Uh, but but I was I was born in 1980, and I I got to witness really this this gaming revolution that took place in, in the world. And the first year that the Nintendo Entertainment System, the U.S. version, came out, I had it. How many of you had an original Nintendo Entertainment System, the NES? And somebody would be like, what is that? Well, it's, it's just the Nintendo. The gray one that was a box that had a magical smell that you blew on the cartridges if the game didn't work. You had that. And if you... If you didn't have uh, a Nintendo, you really missed out, guys. You really missed out. And, and so I grew up in this generation where, where video gaming was this new thing. And so I, I used to remember on the Nintendo Entertainment System um, loving to play DuckTales uh, on the Nintendo Entertainment System. How do you played that game before? DuckTales. Ooh. -oo. And um, Double Dribble. Was, was a phenomenal basketball game of its day. And then you, you really haven't lived if you haven't played the original Super Mario Brothers on the original Nintendo Entertainment System on a box TV sitting on the ground while you sit on shag carpet and play and um, waste your childhood away. I still don't know how the gun worked. I don't know how that worked on old TVs to shoot those ducks, and that dog was just so obnoxious. But there was something unique about playing games uh, in the 1980s, and here it is. You played video games. Playing video games uh, was what was the cool thing to do with video games was to play them. How many of you have ever played a video game before? You, you actually have some kind of control over your character. You have some sort of control over Link or Mario or Scrooge McDuck. There, there's some form of control as you build a track in Excite Bike. There, there's something you can do to take control. And that lasted for about a generation. 
Um, you know, I graduated from the Nintendo Entertainment System and went to the Sega Genesis. And from the Sega Genesis, then I went to the Nintendo 64. And from the Nintendo 64, I went to the uh, Sega Dreamcast. That was short-lived. Uh, I went from the Sega Dreamcast to the PlayStation 2, 3, 4. Now I don't care about video games at all. And now my kids spend all of our money on, on video games. But that lasted for a generation where people enjoyed playing video games. But now, kids these days, playing video games is not all the rage. It's actually watching someone else play video games. If you're not a parent of a teenager or a child, this might be like, what is this? You, don't even, you couldn't even believe it if I showed you. I was asking my son, like, well, you know, what do kids these days call these? And there was like seven different terms. And the only thing I knew is like, well, let's call it a walkthrough or a stream. It, it, playing video games and having people watch is big business. And you, you're watching someone else do something that you could be doing and enjoying. It, it would be as if you enjoyed watching people work out. That's what sports is, by the way. So you can take parts in games. I don't know if you kids know this, but there's a thing called a controller. You can actually control the things that you enjoy watching. And so this lasted for a generation where people enjoyed controlling characters, and now I think that watching people play video games is every bit as popular as, as actually playing them yourself. This is really kind of like the ultimate sign of laziness, isn't it? The ultimate symbol of laziness is sitting down, watching someone else play something that you yourself could be playing. And so when you watch someone play a video game, you are not in control. And it's actually funny to watch kids, or if you're a nerdy adult that does this yourself, uh, to watch kids or adults watch someone else play a video game, you actually like get tense while someone else is doing something that you could be doing. You like, like, yeah, you could, you could be doing that. And so it's a fascinating thing. One of the strangest, most scary dreams I've had. I can put on my, my hand five dreams I can remember throughout the course of my life that were the scariest dreams that I had. The number two most scary dream I've ever had um, was sitting in the back seat of a car of my uh, 1986 Honda Civic wagon. Um, and watching myself drive. I was sitting in my back seat watching myself drive. And it was terrifying. And I tried to think about that this week. Like, why was that so terrifying to watch myself sit in the back seat and drive? It feels very much like teaching my son to drive, actually, is what it feels like. But I wasn't in control. And there was something so weird about watching my life in front of me, watching myself control something that I had no control of at all. Last week, Trina Wright was here, uh, one of our pastors and staff members in Oklahoma, and she uh, was sharing how she had this horrifying flight experience um, on the way to Salem last week. And I, I was like, Trina, you didn't do a good job explaining that story because you make it seem like you're afraid of flying. I guarantee you, Trina has flown more than any of you have ever flown before. That lady's flown a lot. She's military. But, but this one flight was, was harrowing for her to go through, and I'm not afraid of flying at all, but there's something about flying I don't like is that I am not in control of what that jet does. And, and the thing about sitting, like, 
100 feet back from the cockpit, I would at least find a little bit of satisfaction if I could actually see where we were going. How many of you would like that? Like if you could actually see where the plane was going. Um, you used to be able to put on headphones. They had this thing called a cord that plugged in to the seat. And you could listen to music on an airplane, but you could actually listen to the pilots talk to each other. It was not interesting. It didn't bring any sense of comfort. Um, but imagine if you could see where you were going, how much greater that would feel. How many of you have got a person in your family that doesn't let you drive because they want to drive everywhere? I'm the driver in, in my family. And um, I don't like to sit in a passenger seat because I like to be in what? I like to be in control. We, we like to be in control. Now, that can get dangerous. We can get pretty OCD about things. We can become controlling. We can get fixated on things going a certain way. Um, but I don't like being out of control. But the older I get and the older you get, the more life uh, smacks us in the face and reminds us that we are in control of very little. So I have a list. Like, what are some things we're not in control of? And it's in the app um, under the notes for today, but I, I think I have it on the screen, and you have it online, and uh, you'll have it there in Oklahoma as well, but things you're not in control of. Um, number one thing you're not in control of, you're not in control of the weather. How many of you wish you were? You wish you were in control of the weather. We were in Los Angeles last Monday, and people, it rained, and people, like, they'd never seen rain in their entire lives. Um, you wish you were in control of the weather. How many of you, we talked about this last week, you've been through an earthquake before. There's not much like an earthquake to remind you that you have zero control over situations. You just literally have to wait it out. Wait out an earthquake. Uh, if you've ever uh, been on a ship or a boat, you know that you have no control over the conditions of the sea. Um, you have no control over other people's recklessness. When you, when you drive, you don't just have to drive well for yourself, but you have to watch out for the recklessness of someone else. Uh, most of the car accidents I've been in have been as a result of someone else's accident or recklessness, and I had no control over what they did. You're not in control of your genetics. How many of you wish you were in control of your genetics? Um, wish that you could, like, go back in time and say, great, 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 great grandfather Trask, keep marrying people with longer legs because we got to get taller. And so you wish you had control of your genetics, but you just, you, you don't. You don't have control over the time in history you're born in. You don't have control of the country you're born into. You don't have control of the parents who gave you life. What are things that we're not in control of? Let's take it a little deeper. You are not in control of other people's thinking. You are not in control of other people's speech. You are not in control of other people's decisions. And you are not in control of other people's actions. And if someone tries to control these things, then we're in trouble. And, and this is my, my one commentary on this week. That's a problem if we can't communicate any longer. If we don't have the ability to say what we want to say, that, that is a problem because it affects everybody no matter what you think. And so if you lose control of these things, there is a problem, but you actually, you don't have control of what others do say, think, or how they act. Um, you don't have control of your friends. That's why they hurt your feelings. 
you don't have control of your children. How many of you learned that out like day one? You don't have control of those creatures. You just don't. Um, you also don't have control of your spouse. Now, thank God that we're not, actually. Thank God we're not in control of our spouse, our kids, or our friends because they would not be spouses, kids, or friends. That would not be love. That would not be love if we could control the actions of someone else because love is sacrifice, giving and sacrificing yourself for someone else and having that person do so in relation to you. And the thing about love is you actually have to rip out your heart and hand it to someone in hopes that they won't destroy it, and they could. And if they couldn't break your heart, it would not be love. And the reason we mourn and grieve for people when they die or we're devastated when we go through divorce or relationships are broken, it is a sign of love that we feel the pain. And it's an ultimate recognition that we're not in control. And this sounds morbid, but I I appreciate watching especially teens or young adults go to their first funeral for someone because they start to make some correlation that like, wow, Life actually ends one day, and I'm a little bit out of control, and so I need to submit my life to someone who actually can give me some sort of sense of control. And so these are the things uh, that we don't have control of. And so what do you do when you feel like you're losing control? Some of you eat because you have control over that. Uh, When I feel like I'm losing a sense of control, I enjoy mowing the lawn because it's up to me to make those lines straight. It's up to me to make sure that the length is perfect. And so if I feel like I've lost all control, I'm going to be spending a lot of time on the yard. I enjoy cleaning to regain some sense of control because I might not have control over the world outside of me, but you can make sure that my house is going to be clean. Um, vacuuming, you make those lines on the carpet. Like, how many of you have stuff you do? Um, my mother-in-law, she understands the nature of my OCDness, and she bought me like a Zen garden for Christmas, and I don't know if I should be offended or, or grateful, um, but it's one of those things where you rake sand into straight lines, and there's something that just gives you a great sense of being in control when you rake that sand. Mine's salt for some reason. You see, we, we do have control over some things. You do have control over those lines in your lawn. Though most things are out of our control, and other people are out of our control, for the most part, we are in control of ourselves. For the most part. Not totally, but for the most part, we're in control of ourselves. We're responsible for ourselves. And we call this self-control, is to be in control of oneself. So you don't have control over me, and I don't have control over you. Another way to look at this was I'm not in control of others, but I do have control of myself. And so you're not in control of others, but you do have some control of yourself. However, due to our very sin nature, this is very difficult to stay within self-control And due to the sin and the temptation and the evil that we all wrestle with, self-control is something that's very hard to keep self-control of. And it seems like we can totally lose it. And without divine divine intervention in our life, we we can't get that control back. And then came 2020. That was like the, the greatest example of being in control of our lives, wasn't it? 
2020 was our year to be in control. But we realized we didn't have control over viruses. We didn't have control over declarations or mandates that the government made. We didn't have control of violent actions of others based on discrimination. We didn't have control of civil unrest. We didn't have control of the decline of our cities and states. We didn't have control of the weather or wildfires here in our state. We didn't have control over politics, politicians, political parties, or election results. And the ability to go to school, to work out at the gym, to eat at a restaurant, or to worship in church was basically taken away overnight. And it felt like we lost all control. And many of us started doing positive things to regain a sense of control. So I was like, I've got to find projects to work on on my house because the world's falling apart. It's out of control, but I want to bring some control in, so I'm going to build a fence. What did you do? Like, did you take up a hobby, a habit, a craft, or, or did you not? Because I saw people for a while, like, we're doing family walks every night for three days. We're doing worship together as a family but it didn't even happen the first time. So we tried to do these things to regain some sense of control, and it wasn't working out. But for others, including those who maybe still are doing some positive things, your sense of losing control turned into despair. And despair turned into allowing yourself to lose control. Look at this verse in Proverbs. It's on the screen, online. Um, It's in your app. Proverbs 25, 28, it says, A man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. You allow yourself to let go of self-control. It's like an open target on your life. Anything goes. Anyone can come in, disrupt your life, attack you, tempt you, and attempt to destroy you. And so in 2020, uh, alcohol consumption and drug use skyrocketed. 71 million people gained weight. 240 million people lied about it. And so I was looking, like, how much weight did people gain? Like, um, there's people I didn't see for months, and I saw them like, wow, you know, this has been a rough time for us. And, and I, I read one report, and I couldn't find real good statistics, but said on average people that gained weight gained about 15 pounds during COVID. And so they called it actually the COVID-15. Um, depression and suicide have increased. In late June, a study showed that 11% of Americans in late June strongly considered um, taking their own life. 11%. We've all thought about taking our own life, but 11% strongly considered it. Child abuse and domestic violence has increased. Infidelity and divorce has increased exponentially. I was trying to keep track in my mind of how many couples I've helped during this time who are about to get a divorce, have gotten a divorce. There's just craziness, and I I literally had a hard time counting. 2 Timothy 3 says, understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, and without self-control. Scripture said this is coming. This is human nature is to be without sin control, with self-control, without of uh, help of a Savior who comes and intervenes. And you might blame these things on 2020, and this is actually what I'm trying to not do. 
we say, well, I've lost all sense of control because of 2020. This is not a 2020 thing. This is a human thing. 2020 just magnified the loss of self-control. 2020 gave us an excuse to allow ourselves to lose self-control. And you can allow yourself to get to a place due to spiraling out of control that it feels like you're watching your own life as an outside observer. You ever been there before? Remember that dream I had? I'm sitting in the backseat of my car watching myself drive. I have talked to many people and have studied many people who, when they find themselves in a place in life where they have lost all control and may find themselves in some very dire, evil situations, they actually say, it was like I was having an out-of-body experience and watching myself do these things, almost as if I was not in control. And I would say, you probably weren't to some extent, because at some point you allowed something else to take control. But in reality, you could actually be participating in your own life. In reality, you could actually be taking control that's yours in Christ. And so, shifting gears, we're not in control of most things. But we can be sure that while we don't see it right now, that God is in control of all things. Look at Hebrews 2. The author of Hebrews writes, as the Spirit leads them along, that the Father put everything in subjection under the feet of Jesus. Everything in subjection under his feet. Putting everything in subjection to him, he left nothing outside of his control. At present, we do not yet see everything that he's in control of. And last week, we, we sang that song, Waymaker, and I love the part of the song that says, even when I don't see it, you're working. God's working somehow. Everything is in God's control. And you might say, well, if we have the ability to make our own minds up and have free will and take our own control and let go of control, how can God at the same time be in control? Yes. I don't know how it works. But I know that God's sovereign, and he is in charge and reigning and ruling over all creation. Job 42 says, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. That's talking about God, by the way. No purpose of God can be thwarted. In Romans 8, 28, this verse we quote often, we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purposes. And so even though I lose control, God is in control and is making good out of my out-of-controlness. And how many of you are grateful that he's done that and grateful he continues to do so? And so here's the deal. If God's in control of all things, when we submit ourselves to the control of God, when we die to ourselves and we repent of our sin, when we lay down our desire to control everything at his feet, when we receive the gracious gift of salvation through faith in Christ, when we are transformed by his love and are filled with his spirit, God takes full control of our lives. Now it's this tension of like, well, does God take it or do we give it? Yes. We, we give it. And he takes it. He takes it and we give it. And so when we submit ourselves to God, when we draw close to God and he draws close to us, we submit our lives to him and allow him 
in the words of the prophet Carrie Underwood, to take the wheel. We allow him to do it. I don't, but I don't like Jesus taking the wheel. Most of you probably don't either. You want to be in control, but the greatest freedom is to recognize that you're not and say, hey, Jesus, it's your turn. Take the wheel because I'm out of control. And so he takes control of our lives so that we can regain the self-control we gave away. He takes control so we can regain the self-control that we allowed ourselves to lose and the self-control we were meant to have. So someone who has submitted the control of their lives over to God will never be able to truly, fully walk in self-control unless they give full control to God. So I would say, maybe you ask a question, Pastor, do non-Christians have the ability to possess self-control? And I would say, yes, they do. But unless their life is fully submitted to Jesus, we will never walk in the fullness of self-control that we were meant to have because we, without Jesus, are slaves to sin. So sin is technically in control of our lives unless we submit our lives to Jesus where he sets us free from the slavery to death and to sin so that we can regain the control that we gave away. But someone who's been saved by Christ can actually have and bear the gift of self-control in all situations. Let's look at 2 Corinthians 5. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 13 through 15, it says, For if we are beside ourselves, it's for God. So some people were saying, Paul's out of his mind, he's crazy. And Paul says, okay, if I'm out of my mind, if I'm crazy, it's for God. If we are in our right mind, it's for you. He says, for the love of Christ controls us. I I posted that on social media this week. The love of Christ controls us. And someone says, That means that you're endorsing the overtaking of the capital. I'm like, I didn't even mention that. (laughs) I think you're transferring your frustration on the Bible. The Bible says the love of Christ transforms us. It changes us. It controls us. Because we have concluded this, that one has died for all. That's Jesus. Therefore, All have died. So I die to myself. And Jesus died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but live for him who for their sake died and was raised. And so how do I get a sense of control in my life? I allow the love of Christ to control my life. I allow the love of Christ to control me. The key word there is the love of Christ. And it's funny how people read in to things that the Bible says. When here Paul says, you might think I've lost my mind, but I'm going to allow the love of Christ to control my actions. 2 Timothy, Paul says this, for God gave us, I said it before, he didn't give us a spirit of fear, but he gave us power, love, and self-control. He gave it to us. And so if you say, I don't have any power. God's word says, I give you power. If you say, I have no ability to love, God says, I gave you love. If you say you have no self-control, you're calling God a liar because God says, I'll give it to you. And then finally, it's a fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5, 22, 23, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There, there's no law against such thing. Self-control is a fruit of the Spirit. So self-control is given by the Holy Spirit. 
It's a fruit that your life bears. And the New Testament, outside of the four Gospels, the New Testament talks of self-control directly 23 times. Paul talks about it 20 times. The author of Hebrews mentions it once. And the Apostle Peter talks about it twice in First and Second Peter. 23 times we're encouraged to exercise self-control. 23 times we're reminded to exercise self-control. And, and how many of you just like, oh, it's so discouraging. Just once I have such a hard time with self-control. But 23 times. But I want you to know, thank God you actually can. You can exercise self-control. By the power of the Spirit. To be full of the Spirit, to be in step with the Spirit, is to be in full control. It's to be self-controlled. As we wrap this up, let's look at this verse here, Ephesians 5. We often look at this verse wrong, but it says this. It says, do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. If you read this in context, what Paul is telling the church in Ephesus and what he's telling us, yes, this is him encouraging us, telling us, don't be drunk with wine. That's not God's will for you. But the reason he's saying this is because when we get drunk with wine, oftentimes it is the wine that controls us and not ourselves. And so he says, don't let something else control you, but instead be filled with the Spirit so that the Spirit can control you. And so don't allow yourself to lose control when the Spirit is the one that wants to have control of your life. And so I would ask you, what did you lose control of this year? What did you lose control of this year? For me, um, I I lost control of of physical activity, meaning I, I did not exercise as much as I normally did before 2020, and I had great excuses. I've got a great excuse of why I don't want to work out today already in my mind. I lost control. I lost complete control of my calendar. Um, like, just started scheduling way too many things, way too many people, just like, just whatever, I'll do it. But I lost control of, of my schedule. I lost control of, of discipline to reading. I just kind of stopped reading um, in a dedicated way and was just kind of reading casually whenever I felt like it. So in what areas of your life have you given up control? Or in what areas of your life are you actually spiraling out of control? Here's what I'd like you to do. Take it back. The areas you've lost control, take them back. The areas that you're spiraling out of control, take them back. Because you can't say as a Christian that you lack self-control. Because if you say that, God's a liar. You can't say as a Christian that you lack self-control because if you say that, what you're actually saying is the Spirit can't give me self-control. So if the love of Christ is controlling you, if you are saved by Christ, if you are filled with and walking according to the Spirit, then you have self-control. You actually have it. I would implore you this morning on the 10th day of 2021, take back control. Control yourselves. You ever told someone that? Control yourselves. That's what the Bible says. 1 Thessalonians 4 says, For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you become more and more like Christ, that you abstain from sexual immorality, 
that each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God, that no one transgress and wrong his brother in that matter. Pause for a minute. The Bible actually says when you engage in sexual sin with people who are not your husband or your wife, that you're actually doing wrong to that person. Not just a sin within your own body, as the Bible says, but you're actually wronging the other person. It says, the Lord is an avenger in all of these things, as we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you. For God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness. Paul reminds us, the Holy Spirit's reminding us, take back control. You have control over your body. 1 Corinthians 9 says, do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. These Olympians of the time of Paul, they did not engage in sexual activity. They did not drink alcohol. They regulated their eating during this time of racing because they engaged in self-control. It says they do it for a perishable award. But we do it for an imperishable award. So I do not run aimlessly, Paul says. I do not box as one who's beating the air. I discipline my body and I keep my body under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. How many of you are runners? You enjoy running. Yeah, no one enjoys it, right? Alex Nov is in the back ready to play his electric guitar. He's like, I do, pastor, come run 20 miles with me. No, I don't want to. I got my bike. Like, we do these things. It doesn't mean we enjoy them, but it's this idea of taking back control. 1 Corinthians 7 tells us three times to practice self-control in regards to our sexuality. Paul says in Titus 1 and Titus 2 that pastors are to be self-controlled, that older men are to be self-controlled, that older women are to be self-controlled, that younger men are to be self-controlled, that younger women are to be self-controlled. You say, well, pastor, who does that cover? All of us. But he tells us in ways that we can actually exercise and engage in self-control no matter what place in life we find ourselves in. Self-control is by the power of the Spirit. Self-control is an identifying mark of a true believer filled with the Spirit. And it is an example of a Christian in an ungodly world which is out of control. So people could look at you and say, how do you exercise self-control while the rest of the world is out of control? You can just say, it just simply comes from God. God gives self-control, and I attempt to walk in the thing he gives. Titus 2, 11 says, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled upright and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself up for us to redeem us from all lawlessness. Lawlessness is the ability to let go of control, but obeying and following God's ways, that is self-control. He says, and to purify himself for a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. 23 times. Self-control, 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 self-control. So we started this message today, first of all, looking at the ridiculous practice of watching other people play video games. But then we looked at the things we're not in control of. 
And we're going to finish this today as we prepare our hearts to worship in song and prayer. We're going to finish in looking at the things we are in control of. As Christians empowered by the Holy Spirit, what do we have control of? What do we have self-control of? There's a list in your app, on the screen, online. You're in control of your attitude. That's a very hard one. But you actually have self-control over your attitude. You don't have control of your emotions. But you do have the ability to rein your emotions in and then choose how you treat people according to your emotions and feelings and according to the love of Christ that controls you. You do have control of your attitude. You have control of your thinking. This doesn't mean you have control of the thoughts that fly through your mind, but the Bible tells us to take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. This is probably the hardest one of all, but you actually have control of your thinking. So when you start uh, just cycling through thoughts in your mind and just allowing your brain to go places it shouldn't, you actually, not by your own power, but by the power of the Spirit, you have ability to take that captive. You have control of your words. Did you know that? You can exercise self-control of the words that come out of your mouth. You have control. The Bible says that the tongue is the hardest part of the body to tame. But you can tame it. There is self-control in the words that you say. You have self-control in how you treat others. And you have self-control in how you speak of others. Listen to that again. You have control of how you speak about other people. You have control of your sexuality, meaning how you engage in sexual activity. Are you engaging in sexual activity according to God's word or according to the world? And specifically, the thing I was, I was thinking about is we often don't consider pornography a part of sexuality, but you actually have self-control over what you engage in when it comes to pornography. And the most common thing I hear people struggle with, men and women, is I have no control when it comes to pornography. I understand the temptation and the difficulty and the heartache it causes, but God's word says you have self-control by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so as you pick up your phone or grab your computer mouse, remember that God has given you a spirit of self-control. And don't say you don't have control over where you allow your lust to go because that's calling God a liar. You have self-control of your work ethic. You might not be good at everything you do, but you do have control over the day's work that you put in. You do have self-control over how it is that you engage in hard work. You have self-control over your effort. You have self-control over your integrity to be a man or a woman of your word. You have self-control of your diet. You have self-control of substance consumption. And it's sometimes we just love to point fingers at alcohol or drug use or tobacco use or all those things. But, but I don't need to do that. You just have control of what goes into your body. You have control. And so maybe just feel out this self-control battle you have. Like maybe tonight there's something you crave before you go to bed, whether it's something you eat or you drink. And I just like dare you to try to not do that and, and just sense the pull, whatever it is. But you actually have self-control to say no. You have control over your schedule. You have control over your time with God. Well, I didn't have time to spend time with God today. Well, that's because you gave it away. 
You actually have self-control over the time you spend with God. You have self-control over your spending. You have self-control, not necessarily over the money you make, but you do have self-control over the money you give away. And speaking of giving away, you actually have self-control in your giving. You might say, well, I can't afford to give to something or an entity or a church or a nonprofit or a person in need. That's in your control. You actually can choose to be obedient and to give away just as you spend on yourself and just as you are blessed by the money that God gives you. You have self-control in your exercise or your activity level. You have self-control in your parenting. You can actually be a different parent than your parent was to you. Cycles can end and break with you. You have self-control over your parenting. You have self-control over saying yes to someone, and you have self-control over saying no to someone. You have self-control over your decisions and over your actions, and there's probably a thousand more things we could put on this list. But you, by Christ, in the power of the Spirit, have control. There's so many things that we have self-control over in Christ, yet we give them up and we lose control. And then we wonder why we see the outcomes in our life as a result. Why am I so stressed all the time? Why am I so tired all the time? Why am I so worn out all the time? Why can't I get control of my weight? Why can't I get control of my time? You have it, guys. You have it. Let's choose to make 2021 a year where we can take back control. Stop watching your life like you're not actually in control and grab the controller and start playing according to the power of the Spirit that gives you power, love, and self-control. Don't let I can't control myself be your excuse in 2021. You can always exercise the self-control you've been given. Two more verses, and I'm going to pray. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. God is faithful. God will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. With temptation, God will also provide the way of escape. That you may be able to endure it. You say, well, that's a verse about temptation. Exactly. Temptation and self-control go hand in hand. There is always a way out. Always. There is always an opportunity to take back control. So I guarantee some of you will be tempted the moment you leave today. Some of you will be tempted tonight. Some of you will be tempted to go back to things that you resigned to in 2020. You're going to be tempted to do it. But remember, when you're tempted, God is faithful. He always, 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 always provides a way out. There is always a way and opportunity to say no. There is always an escape plan of self-control for you when you face temptation. 1 Peter 4, 7. I'll call our worship team up. Listen to what Peter says in his letter to the church. He, he starts off with like this, this strange statement. He says, the end of all things is at hand. You're like, whoa, that's pretty serious. What does that mean? It means that we're walking in the kingdom of God right now. That means that we, since the moment Jesus ascended to the Father, have been living in the end times awaiting the return of Jesus. We're watching the culmination of all things. 
We're watching God reign victorious. We're watching evil be vanquished. We're watching God save those who call on his name in faith and receive his grace. And so Peter says, the end of all things is at hand. Okay, Peter, that's nice. What, what, what should we do with that? Therefore, because the end of all things is at hand, be self-controlled. Be self-controlled. Because times are hard. Be self-controlled. Because the world is out of control, be self-controlled. Because your mind, your spirit, your soul, your psyche, your emotions, your feelings are out of control, be self-controlled. Yeah, you might have natural instincts or desires that are going to plummet against you. You've got family traits and family curses and all this stuff coming and raging against you. I I get it. The end of all things is here. But be self-controlled. Be sober-minded. That's the same thing, by the way. To be sober-minded is to be in control of your mind. Be self-controlled. Be sober-minded. Then he says the most bizarre thing that we, we don't even have time to even consider unpacking. But he says, for the sake of your prayers. Be in self-control for the sake of your prayers. You want to come before God and ask him things according to his will? You want to come before God and make bold requests for 2021? Don't come to him out of control. Submit yourself to him. Be self-controlled. Two times in the Bible, we're told that our prayers might be hindered. One is when husbands treat their wives like garbage, and two is when we lose self-control. The Bible says, hey, You want to come before God with your prayer. Be self-controlled. Be sober-minded. Guys, treat your wives good. Don't let your prayers be hindered. Can you bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment of no distraction? I don't know why this was such a heavy burden today, but... um, this is not like some prophetic word, but a lot of you guys are, are just have lost self-control this last year. A lot of your lives are spiraling out of control. I say, take it back. Take it back. Jesus is saying, like he did in Revelation, guys, maybe you forgot your first love. Repent. Remember what things used to be like. Start doing those things again. Maybe there's things God called you to. God called you to serve, love, visit, pray for, give, contribute. Things that God's called you to do that aren't comfortable that you've just stopped doing and now you've wondered why your life spiraled out of control. But it's actually because you let go of control of the thing God wanted you to exercise self-control over. Maybe that's your health, your finances, your work ethic. I don't know. God's got to speak to you. But you're going to have to give an account. You're going to have to answer the question, what have you lost control of? Maybe you've lost control of your marriage, your relationship, because you're not investing time. You're not self-controlling the time and the conversations and the energy that it takes to maintain a healthy relationship. Regain that control. My wife and I had a discussion the other night. It's like we feel like we're kind of going in different directions right now. Like we need to get back in sync. For us, that looked like um, 
reading together, discussing things together, quoting scripture together, praying with and for each other, and just being diligent about spending a certain chunk of time in the evening with each other so that we can reconnect. We lost self-control in those areas. So this is not a message of condemnation like, oh, I've blown it. No, it's I have an opportunity to take it back. Don't look back at the former things. Behold, God's doing a new thing. Do you perceive it? Step in. Take back control. Not of others, not of things you don't have control over, but take control of the things that God has given you control over. God, thank you for this word. Thank you for this time of worship and reflection.